Welcome, Rocky Feet. Good to see you. Uh, go ahead and have a seat. Uh, we're entering into a uh, uh, very exciting season. If you were here last weekend, uh, we kicked off our life groups. And uh, so we're excited about that. It's life group season. We're doing uh, life group science both uh, last weekend, and uh, we're doing it for the next three weekends. And so the good news is, is that last weekend, uh, life group signups were off the hook. I mean, they were just, it was really unprecedented. Uh, we had, uh, for example, my, uh, my assistant Vicki was out there at the 11 o'clock service helping people sign up. And she had five people, just by herself, five people. It was their very first visit to Rocky Peak, so we want to be in a life group. And so it's just like uh, unprecedented, and that's the good news. Uh, for those of you who are new, uh, life groups are the hub of our church here. Uh, they're where we take a big church and we break it down uh, into a bunch of little churches. This fall, we will have 115 uh, life groups meeting throughout the three valleys that we serve here. And uh, yeah, it's exciting times. And, um, and so our goal is to have 80% of our weekend attendance in life groups. They're really what makes the, the church happen here. And so that's the good news. Unprecedented last week, off the charts. Uh, the bad news is that we are filling up rapidly. And so I need to take just a couple minutes and talk. This is kind of one of those heart-to-heart conversations uh, that uh, I need to have you as, as pastors, kind of where we're at in this. Uh, I am not kidding. After last week's signups, um, if, you, if you're a married couple, and so you're new to Rocky Peak, you're a married couple, you know, hey, we want to be in a life group. As of the end of last Sunday, we had four spots for you in our whole out of 115 groups. There's four spots for America. If you're a single adult, say, I want to be in a, in a life group with other single adults. There were five spots through the whole system. So good news is that, man, we are jumping on board as a church. We've caught the vision, and, uh, and they really are the hub of our church. The bad news is we do not have enough spots. And I want to share that with you for those of you who are out there, and you're like, yeah, I think I'll wait till next week. Uh, you know, probably wasn't such a good idea. Uh, anyway, so here's where we're at. Um, we're working uh, overtime to kind of create more spots. Our, our heart is we want to be able to have for everyone who wants to be in a life group to have a spot that works for you. And so we went into kind of crisis mode this week, and uh, we are praying about it, asking for God's leadership, and we're doing a couple things. Uh, one is, is that we sent an email out to, uh, to many people that have led life groups in the past uh, or that have uh, uh, their, um, but for whatever, or they're considering leading a life group this fall, but for whatever reason felt like it wasn't the right time. And I'm sure there are very good reasons for that. Uh, that people were uh, tired, you know, they've been doing it for a long time, they just needed a break, they're having a baby, their, their, their job situation, whatever. And so what we're, we're doing is we're sending out to those people saying, hey, in light of this current uh, kind of crisis challenge situation, uh, would you just pray about this and see if this happens to have your name on it? Uh, it kind of reminds me, you remember a few weeks ago as a church, we were studying in Mark chapter 6, Remember, Jesus, uh, he's exhausted, his, his uh, men are exhausted, they've been out on this preaching tour, and they get back, and he says, let's get away, let's go to the far side of the sea, let's get some R&R, uh, because you just need a break. And so they, they, they take off, try to sneak off, but the crowd see them. Remember, they run, literally run to the other side of the sea, and when they get there, here are these thousands of people waiting for Jesus, and his heart goes out to them, because they're like sheep without a shepherd. And, and so he lays aside his plans, and he spends the day feeding them, 
uh, are uh, uh, healing them, teaching them. And that night, he and his men, they feed them. That's the day they fed the five to 10,000 people. We talked about that. And so I really believe that there's, in the life of every uh, church that's growing healthy, there are seasons when, for whatever reason, God is bringing people. And, and it's a season where we have to go the extra mile. And so we're asking uh, some of those uh, uh, leaders who uh, have led or considering leading, hey, would you just pray about that and see if this is, is something God may be calling you to do, right? Uh, second thing we're doing is we're going to all of our life groups, and we're asking all of our life groups, we sent out an email this week saying, hey, is there any way that you can squeeze a couple more people in your group? Maybe like skip desserts this time, uh, you know, go on a diet, uh, do something, but squeeze a couple people. You guys are really not awake. Uh, it's like, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, this means laugh, all right? Okay, so I say something funny, this means laugh. So, uh, yeah, is there any way you can squeeze in it? Maybe you have a large house and you can kind of put people in, in two different parts of the house for part of the meeting and just gather for the worship. Or is there something creative you can do? I know our group, we've got up to 17. We're considering going up to 35. Uh, uh, <laughs> good, nicely done, nicely done. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I've been thinking, do I lead another group? I mean, just, we have got to create space for these people God is, is bringing. So we're, I, what I want you to know is we're doing everything we can. If you're new here or you haven't signed up or you've been on the fence, I need a couple things from you. Number one is that inside of your program, uh, there is this uh, sheet that says, it gives you the list of all the open groups. And as you look at that sheet, you'll notice most of them are in this uh, kind of men's group, uh, women's group uh, section. But if you're looking for a general group, you're looking for a married group, uh, there's a single group that's not open, you know, it's not night and time. Here's what I need for you. Please go out there and talk to our life group people afterwards. Uh, tell them what you need. We will try hard to find a group that works for you. But if we can't, this is the important part. We need to get your name on a waiting list. Because as we're trying to create groups, it's helpful if we know what kind of groups we're trying to create. I mean, do we need one in, in uh, you know, West Simi? Do we need one in uh, Tarzana? Do we need one in like Burba? Like, where do we need those groups and what kind of groups and what nights and times? Because if we're going to be working uh, double time to kind of create this, we need to know what we're trying to do. Okay, so if you could do that for us, uh, that would be extremely helpful. All right, and so we're going to see what, what God does. Sound good? Welcome. It's good to see you. Uh, all right, here we go. Hey, my name, is, my name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here. If it's your very first time, uh, special welcome. We're not normally this dead, even at 9 o'clock. And uh, we're really glad that you're, you're here. Uh, Labor Day week. Look at this. We got the stage going. Looks even looks like Labor Day, right? I've been wanting to do this right there. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, good. Oh, thank you very much. That's good. That's good. We now look like a Dodger game. That's awesome. Uh, all right, so uh, we're going to be going into our time of teaching right now, and uh, inside your program is a message note sheet. If you're, if you're brand new, you may not know that. You'll definitely want to take it out as we kick off this new series together, and so if you're ready to go, uh, I'm going to get my little table here ready to go, and we are all set. You guys ready? Yep. All right, let's pray. God, we're just thankful that we can be here on this blazingly hot day and be inside where it's cool, and we are looking forward to what you want to do today in our lives. And we just want to say at the beginning of this that we are your followers. Uh, we're under your leadership. God, we know that we need your help. We need your strength. We need your direction to live life the way it's meant to be lived. And so we pray that you'd come and be our leader and you'd teach us as we start this brand new series what it looks like to follow you and create this community that you came to create called your church. And we pray it in your name. Amen. Well, today we're uh, kicking off a brand new series called The Call to Community. 
And for those of you who are, are brand new, I want to step back just for, for a second. Uh, we, we've been in the midst uh, as a church uh, of a longer series since the beginning of the year called Jesus the King. And it's, it's a study of the life and teaching of Jesus as told through the eyes of uh, one of the leaders of the early church, a man by the name of Mark. And uh, so we've been studying the gospel of Mark. And so l- last week we got to the halfway point of Mark. It was the end of our first series, Jesus the King. And what we're going to be doing, we'll be coming back to that in three weeks to continue on the second of the three parts of that longer series on the life of Jesus. But as we enter in the fall, I was just on my heart to uh, take a break and do kind of a halftime, if you will. Think of this as like a halftime of a big football game. Take a break uh, and, and to focus on some things as we enter into the fall. And so uh, we're going to be spending three weeks on this series called The Call to Community. Now, uh, to set this up, I want to start with the diagram. So there on your note sheet, you have a diagram. It's kind of like a Venn diagram. Uh, these three circles. And what this helps us to do is it's a helpful way to look at the, the church of Jesus. What does it mean to be the church of Jesus? This whole series, three-week series, is about what does it mean to be this community, this church of Jesus that he's called us to be. Uh, what, what's he calling us to be here at Rocky Peak as we go in the fall, this new ministry season? What does that look like? And this is a diagram I came across uh, about a year ago that was really helpful for me in thinking about the church and what does it look like to be a healthy church. And so what I want to do is ask for your help. We're going to fill in the circles right now. And so there on the, uh, the, these, uh, there's kind of three components. What, what this diagram helps us understand is that there's kind of three components uh, of a healthy church. And so they all start with a C because I'm a pastor. And so uh, on the, uh, yes, uh, so on the left-hand side, uh, the first C, let's go with, the, uh, we're going to write the word cause. Okay, so when you think of the church of Jesus, uh, the first word that comes to my mind is, is it's a cause, that when we come to Jesus, we become part of this movement of his. It's designed to go out and reach the world. And so uh, Jesus, remember Matthew 28, uh, he says, uh, the last thing he says to us before he leaves is, I want you to go into all the world. I want you to make disciples, followers. I want you to teach them uh, who I am, why I've come, what it means to follow me. And he says, when they're ready to follow me, then the first step is then baptize them into the movement and to initiate them in the movement and then teach them to obey. And so for the first thing, the church of Jesus is a cause. And, and so when we become a, fo- a part of the follow, uh, a follower of Jesus, we become part of that cause. And it's our, our calling to help advance the cause of Jesus, right? So that's the first C. The second C is on the opposite side of your diagram, on the right side. And, and the second C stands for community. Okay, so that, that uh, the Church of Jesus is not just a cause, it's also a community. It's a community of Christ followers. That when we become a follower of Jesus, that we, we become part of this new community of Christ followers. And so God is our Father, right? We've been born again. God is our Father, and that makes us all brothers and sisters. And so uh, when we become a Christian, uh, not only does our vertical relationship with God change, but our horizontal relationship with all other believers change. We become part of this family of God, or this body of Christ, or this temple of the Holy Spirit. We're each individual living stones in this new temple. And so, so we're, we're part of the community. Now, the third C, I don't really like this word, but hang with me just a minute because you won't like it either, but it does start with a C, so that's got it going for it. Uh, It's the word corporation. I know, you don't like it, right? But what I really mean by this is the church is an organization, and like any other organization, there's certain uh, corporate aspects of it. For example, uh, when in in the early church, in Acts chapter 2, when uh, Peter preaches his first uh, message on the day of Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit comes, 
uh, 3,000 people come to Christ. Remember that? And right away, there's organizational issues. Like, who's going to lead this organization, right? Well, we got 12 pastors. We call them apostles. They're going to be the pastors. I'm not sure who did kids' ministry and who did life groups, but uh, anyway, uh, just helping. Uh, but... Uh, but, but they got 12 pastors, right? And so then it's, and they say, well, where do we meet, right? We gotta have a place to meet. They need a building. And so, hey, how about let's meet in the temple? It's awesome, it's huge, uh, covered porticos, and we can meet, we can get 3,000 people in there at one time, and awesome, let's meet there. And so, yeah, but let's also meet in homes. Okay, how are we gonna, let's do, yeah, let's do meet in homes. And so there's, where do we meet issue? There's financial issues. You remember that uh, people begin giving to support the poor and support the ministry and, and help the widows. And so now one's gotta administer that money and administer the food program. And so in Acts chapter six, they say, hey, this is overwhelming for us. We need some more staff people at this church. We got the 12, but we're focused on the word and we're focused on prayer. We need some administrators here. We need, we need a staff. And so they recruit seven, seven uh, uh, people. They call, we call them deacons, seven people to kind of hey, take care of the practical things. And so the point is, is that once you have a church, you have an organization and you have structural issues and leadership issues and decision issues and buildings and bodies and bucks and all kinds of stuff that go into, uh, you know, creating this thing called the church, right? And so the point is, is that in a church, you've got all three components, that we are the cause of Jesus, we're the community of Jesus, and then there's corporate organizational issues. And here's what I want you to catch, that in any church, including here at Rocky Peak, that all three are vitally important. Like there's, the cause is external, right? The cause is focusing on those out there who don't yet know Jesus. The community is more internal, creating this community Jesus came to create. And then the, the uh, corporation is just kind of doing all things well in leadership issues so you don't undercut the uh, community or undercut the, the cause. All three important. Now, so why do I start here? Well, to set this up, I, I want to take us back. Uh, this will help us understand what we're going to be doing in this, this short series. Uh, that last year, if you were here in the fall, that what we really focused on is we focused on the first circle, right? The cause circle. For those of you who are here then, remember we talked about this assignment that Jesus has given to go into all the world, to share the message of Jesus. We spent the whole fall on that. What does it look like to, to build relationships with people maybe who don't know Christ, love them well, a genuine relationship, and in the context of that relationship, when they're asking questions, that we invite, hey, we share a little bit of our story, a little bit of Jesus' story, we invite them to come and see. Remember that? And, and, then, and then we also talked about the third circle, kind of the corporate circle. What does it look like to take our campus, to refresh it, enlarge it, so that we can launch this cause and create this community? That was last fall fall. Well, this fall, uh, about three or four months ago, I really felt like God was putting on my heart that, that this fall, our focus was to be on the second circle. It was to be on this issue of community. What does it look like to be the community of Jesus here at Rocky Peak? What does it look like to create this community that Jesus came uh, to launch? So another way to look at this might be through our vision statement. If you turn your page, you have the vision statement there. So our vision is to unleash a movement of what? Yeah, passionate Christ followers. Can we say it again? Our vision is to unleash a movement of passionate Christ followers. Right. And so we define a passionate Christ follower as having four parts. That, that first of all, we're pursuing God as our top priority, to know him, to love him, and to please him. Uh, number two, we're loving others as he has loved us. Number three, we're serving sacrificially with our time, our gifts, our resources to make a difference in the world. And finally, we're sharing Christ. 
So another way to look at this series is last year, the focus was on external, on sharing Christ. This fall, the focus is internal on loving one another, all right? So to get at this today, I want to start with a passage of Scripture uh, that's really kind of an event that we left off with last week. If you were here last week, you know that we, we ended the first half of this series, Jesus the King, uh, and we came to this turning point in the life of Jesus, the life of his disciples. Uh, it happened in a place called Caesarea Philippi. You remember that? It's about 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee, uh, a very pagan area. It was an area that was uh, famous for its worship of the Greek god Pan. If you were here, you remember that I, I described this huge cave. We had pictures up here. This huge cave is still there today, uh, 65 feet wide, 50 feet tall, where this, uh, this gushing uh, spring came out, a very mystical type of place. The ancients would go there to offer sacrifices, goat sacrifices to Pan. And it's to this pagan area that Jesus takes his men to ask them this critical core question uh, that's to be the turning point of their life. And that question was, who do you believe that I am? Right? He says, I know what everyone else believes that I am. Who do you believe that I am? And last week, we really focused in on this. And we, we talked about that question. The most important question of any of our lives is not what others believe about Jesus, but what do you believe about Jesus? We talked about that. Uh, but, but in uh, Matthew's account, Matthew, not in Mark, in Matthew's account, he adds a critical part of that conversation that Mark doesn't include about why Jesus came and what it means to be a follower. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 16. If you've got your Bibles on your apps, phones, whatever, let's go to Matthew chapter 16. Now, uh, I just realized that I don't have a Bible. Uh, can I borrow your, Tony? Is it the NIV? You don't, you don't know what it is? Do you have an NIV? Someone got an NIV? That's great, yeah. Thanks. I, really, I, I knew I was forgetting something today. Uh, <laughs> it's going good, yeah. It's right. Well, we won't, use, we won't use this one to podcast. All right, it's like, yeah, come to church where the pastor doesn't have a Bible. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah, we're a community. Hey, there we are. We are a community, right? Right. Hey, hey, hey what I lack, you provide. Way to go. That's good. All right, so here we go. So uh, in verse 13, um, I'm really sorry, whoever gave me this Bible. I hope you follow along with the person next to you. Uh, so Jesus comes to this region of Caesarea Philippi. So it's about 25 miles north of uh, the Sea of Galilee. And he asks his disciples, hey, who do people say that I am, the Son of Man is? And and so they, they be, and we talked this last week, they, they begin giving theories in the street. Uh, well, some say, you know, John the Baptist, others say Elijah, uh, others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He says, yeah, but what about you? And this, this is a critical question, right? What do you say about me? And this, of course, this is a core question. It's not what other people say. Uh, hey, Jesus was a good man. He's a great prophet. He's a great spiritual teacher. He's a religious leader. Awesome. That's what other people say. What do you say? And of course, Peter has this, this moment, this flash of insight, and he says, you're 
the Christ. You're the king. Remember, it means king. You're the king of Israel, the king of the cosmos. You're the son of the living God. You're the God who's come into human history to rescue us. And so Jesus replies then, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man. Like, this is not something you figured out on your own. And we talked about this. When someone comes to Christ, it is a supernatural event that Jesus, uh, the Father, has to open up our eyes to who Jesus is. And so uh, we don't know whether it was at that moment or whether it's in the, the way up to Caesarea Philippi, but somewhere along the line, uh, God has been opening the eyes of these men to who Jesus is, and they're like blown away. Are, are you serious? It's like, oh my God. I mean, literally. It's like, you're like, who are you? It's like, whoa. And they're realizing for the first time who Jesus is. And so Jesus says, uh, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this is not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. Now here's the part that, that, that Matthew adds. We, we covered that part in Mark last week, but this is the part that Matthew adds. He goes on and he says, um, he says uh, you are, uh, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, uh, and, and picture this, we don't know exactly for sure where Jesus was when he made this statement. But if they're in the vicinity of Caesarea Philippi, where this huge rock is, where the water's coming out, remember it was called the gates of, uh, gates of hell because it was believed by the ancients the, the, the gods came out of that, that cavern, uh, it would take on even more meaning here. He says, I will tell you that you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my what? Church, I want you to underline that. Now, here's why I want you, this is the first time in the New Testament the word church comes up. This is the first time in the New Testament Jesus ever talked about creating a church. He's, he's never really talked about this before. It's the first time he's ever talked about creating a church. He says, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades, which would take on great meaning if they're in eyesight of the gates of Hades, this place was called this, the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Okay? So whose Bible is this again? I'll give it back. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Okay, so, so here's what I want you to catch. Uh, that this turning point in the disciples' life, this, this, this kind of historic moment in their lives where they're figuring out who Jesus is for the very first time, that, that Peter, speaking for all of them, says, hey, who are you? We've, you know, he says, you're, you're the Christ, you're the King, you're the Son of the living God. And Jesus immediately, immediately, now he says, Peter, you are so right on. Uh, you didn't figure this out. My father showed you. Your vertical relationship with God's changing right now. He says, not only that, he says, but let me tell you why I've come to planet Earth. He said, I've not just come to save you. I've come to build a church. Now the question is, what does he mean by church? And there in your note sheet, there's a section called the church of Jesus. Notice this quote, what does he mean? And I want to spend some time on this because for you and I, when we hear the word church, certain images come to mind right away, right? Like, for example, if you're, if you're talking with someone and, and uh, they say, hey, where do you go to church? You, you know, what's your answer? You're going to say, well, I, I go to church at Rocky Peak. Well, where's that? What's up? It's kind of by the 118 in Topanga Canyon. I, like you just, you head up there, like if you're coming from the valley, you head up uh, Topanga Canyon, you take a left on Santa Susana. Uh, if, if you're there on the weekends, there's a kind of a, kind of a real, like it's a, like sort of a vinyl banner. Like if you go in the week, it's not really, you can't really tell there's a church. So we have no visibility. Um, we'll fix that someday. But, um, 
but there's, there's, you know, you take a left there and you just kind of go on back there. There's a, there's a church up there? Yeah, there's a church up there, right? If you're coming from Simi Valley, it's like, have you ever seen the cross on the hill? Yeah, yeah, well, there's, there's, there's actually a church down there. Oh, you mean by the moon rocks? Yeah, by the moon rocks, yeah. Uh, so it's right down the hill. That's, that's where, where you go. You know, so you just take off there and you, you head on back, right? And so, so when someone says, uh, where do you go to church? We respond, place, location. Uh, we often, we think of church we think of activity. Like, what'd you do this weekend? I went to church. And so when, when you say, I went to church, it conjures up pictures, right? Pulling in the parking lot here, uh, walking down the, the steps to the patio, coming in, uh, uh, an usher giving you a program, uh, coming in, it's all dark because you're late. Um, <laughs> uh, stumbling around in the dark, uh, grumbling about why is it so dark in here? It's because you're late. Um, and, and so um, it's like a movie. Don't grumble when the lights are out. Uh, so, uh, so you find your seat and, the, and you think it's going to be, you know, some, some singing. There's going to be some uh, guy teaching and there's going to be some maybe announcements, maybe an offering. And, and that's kind of church, right? And so you, we, think, we think place, we think activity. Here's what I want you to catch. When Jesus first spoke these words, when Matthew first, first wrote these words, none of those images would have come in anyone's mind. I want you to catch this. In the first century, when this passage was written, church was not a religious term. Church meant an assembly. Church meant a gathering. Church meant a congregation of people. But it had nothing to do with religion. Right, so, so for example, there in your note sheet, we're going to do a little Greek study today. It's not, not really normal uh, here to do so much, but uh, if, you, if you look on your note sheet there, uh, you have a, a blank, and let's fill it. I want, I want to give you the Greek word for church, all right? And I'm going to go back and study this a little bit. So the Greek word for church is the word ekklesia. Okay, I'm going to spell it uh, so you have to watch the screen. It's E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. And the word ekklesia comes from two Greek words. And the Greek word, the first word is ek, which means out of or from. And the word kaleo, which is a verb that means to call. So an ekklesia is a group of people have been called out. Okay, so they've been called out. So, so out of the population at large, there's a group that's been called out for a specific purpose. So for example, in the ancient world, uh, you would have maybe uh, the city of Ephesus, the city of Corinth, when the citizens would be called out to vote on an issue. Now, most people in the city weren't citizens, but when the citizens of Athens or, or uh, citizens of Corinth were called out, they would gather together. That was called the ecclesia, come to the ecclesia. Uh, when soldiers would go to war, uh, sometimes they would be called out uh, to meet at a place, and they would be the ecclesia of soldiers. You know, bring your shield, bring your sword. The ecclesia is, we're going to ecclesia. Um, in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, uh, in the Greek version of the Old Testament that we call the uh, Septuagint, that was very popular at the time of Jesus, uh, in the, uh, the, the Septuagint, the nation of Israel, when it would assemble for certain meetings or certain things, would be called the Ecclesia of Israel, right? And so, so what I want you to catch is that there's not necessarily a religious connotation, it just means a, a calling out of a group of people to meet for a specific purpose. 
Like, for example, uh, this last year, or uh, last year, uh, Andy Stanley, who's a, a well-known pastor down in the Atlanta area, he wrote a very helpful book called Deep and Wide. And so it's, a, it's a, a kind of a, a book about their philosophy of ministry as a church, but he talks about the ecclesia. And I put this quote there on your note sheet because he does a great job of explaining this. He says, um, what you may not know is this, and now he's talking about the ecclesia, the word ecclesia. He said, what you may not know is that, that this uh, was not a religious term. Uh, it could refer to citizens called to gather. So you want to circle that to keyword gather. For civic purpose, it was used to refer to soldiers called out for military purposes. And ecclesia was simply a gathering or an assembly of people called out for a specific purpose. Okay? So ecclesia never referred to a specific place, only a specific gathering. Uh, Jesus' audience may have been familiar with this term from another context as well. The Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it describes the ancient Israelites as an ecclesia. Interestingly, when the Hebrew people were scattered around the world, they were known collectively as an ecclesia, an assembly, a gathering, a community, a congregation. So in both secular and sacred literature, ecclesia always referred to a gathering of people united by a common identity and purpose, right? So, so here's what I want you to catch, that when Jesus, uh, there's this turning point in the disciples' lives, and he leads them to Caesarea Philippi, and he asks them, who do you say that I am? And, and the lights go on for the first time, and they realize who they're with, and they say, you are the Christ, you're the Son living God. Uh, instantly, uh, Jesus says, not only uh, Peter, God has shown you that, he's opened your eyes, but instantly he moves on to the next thing, and he says, And upon this rock, this reality you've just described, I am going to build an ecclesia. I'm going to build a new community of Christ followers who are gathered around this common identity of understanding who I am, who've come under my leadership. I am going to create a new community uh, an ecclesia, a gathering, an assembly that's going to be a countercultural a group that, that is going to give a picture of what life is like when I'm king. You see, I've come to create an ecclesia. And that's what we're talking about, this call to community. That when we become a follower of Jesus, here's what I want you to catch. When you became a follower of Jesus, that it's not just your vertical relationship with God changed, but you entered into a new horizontal relationship with all others who see who Jesus is, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he has a mission. He's got a, a purpose. It's a common cause. It's a common vision. And so this call to community. Now, the question is then, well, what is Jesus' vision for this community? And there on your note sheet, this next section says, the ecclesia of Jesus, what's his vision? And so, so the question is, what is Jesus' vision for this ecclesia, this assembly? Uh, what, what does he want to see happen? Uh, what's the culture of this ecclesia? What's the ethos of this ecclesia? Uh, what is the, uh, what, what's the, the look and feel? Like when you're part of this ecclesia, uh, what should you experience in it? Like what's his vision for this ecclesia that he came to create? And if you were to ask me that question, and, and, and we were to, uh, and I was to distill it down. And you say, Mike, you can only have one word. You can have one word to describe the ecclesia of Jesus. 
Only one word to describe this ethos, culture, this feel, what it's like. Only one word. There's not even a shadow of a doubt in my mind what that word would be. And it's another little Greek word. It's kind of Greek day at Rocky Peak. Uh, another Greek word. Some of you are going to be familiar with this word, some not, but I want you to write it down. It's the Greek word agape. There's only one word. There's only one word that could be used to describe the ethos, the community, the culture, his vision for the community. And it's this little Greek word, agape. And so the way you spell it, if you're writing it down, it's A-G-A-P-E. And it's pronounced agape, not agape. Now, now, uh, so let's talk about agape, right? Let's talk about, so, so the Greeks... Uh, they had many different words for love, and they, they had a tremendous advantage. We only have one word for love. You know, I love ice cream. I love my wife. It's all the same, right? And so, um, I mean, it's not the same, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> like the word is the same. Yeah, okay. Fortunately, she came last night. Um, any, anyway, uh, no, no, face, do not Facebook that, all right? My mic says uh, that, um, all right, so... Um, it's moving on. So for, they've got all these words for love. It's very cool. So they, they've got a word for romantic love or like erotic love. And it's, it's the word eros, right? And, and they've got a word for family love. Uh, it's the word storge. It's where, it's why we, where the idea of a stork bringing kids come. No, just kidding. Uh, uh, storge. Uh, they, they've got a word. Uh, they've got a word called phileo. Right, and I'm not even I'm not even going to that one. But anyway, they go into phileo, uh, and and so phileo is like brotherly love or the love of friends, you know, brothers and brethren, you know, like the uh, uh, you know a band of brothers, that kind of love. And so we have the city of Philadelphia, the, the city of brotherly love, right? Uh, but then they have this word um, called agape, and honestly, this word wasn't used a lot in Greek literature before the time of Jesus. Since this word that Jesus and his followers in the New Testament pick up to describe the ethos, the culture, the vision for the ecclesia. And so this agape is a, it's a sacrificial love. It's a, it's a serving love. It's a love that puts the needs and interests of others above ourselves. It's a, it's a love that seeks others uh, best. In fact, let, let's drill down a little bit. I want to give you a definition. And I want to be real clear here because when we think of love, when I think of, I say love, like the, the Jesus' vision for his community is love, there's a lot of wrong ideas that can come into our mind, right? Like, like we could uh, suddenly conjure up visions of, of us all standing in a circle, holding hands and singing kumbaya, right, every week, right? That we could have uh, visions of, hey, what it means is we're all going to sell all of our property and live in a big commune. Right? We, have a, we have visions of, hey, to really love one another means that we no longer have personal preferences. We, we love everyone the same, and so we don't have personal friends anymore. We're just friends with everybody because we just love everyone. None of this is like what Jesus is talking about. So I want to give you kind of a definition of agape love, right? So there in your note sheet, uh, you have a section. Um, in fact, before we do that, let's look at the verse. Let's look at, let's look at the verse right above it uh, John, in John 13 verse. So, so Jesus helps us understand this love in John 13. Um, so, so the last night, I, I was thinking, like, uh, how could I illustrate this, this kind of agape love? And really, there was about five passages in the New Testament I wanted to walk you through, but we just don't have time. So I'm going to pick my favorite, my favorite for this series. Uh, it's, it's John 13 
So Jesus is with his men. So last night, uh, before he's arrested and going to be executed. So he's about to turn the movement over to them. They're, they're going to be the leaders of this new movement. Uh, they're going to be leaders of this new cause of Jesus, church of Jesus, new ecclesia of Jesus. And, and he's going to tell them, hey, as I turn this over to you, I just have one commandment. All right, I've got, it's a new commandment. I want it to be the north star of this movement. I want this to be uh, kind of the badge you're, you're running under. This is going to define the movement. And so here's what he says. He says in John 13, he says, a new command I give you. So I've, seen, in other words, I've never told you this before, but I'm about to leave. Remember earlier this night, he's washed their feet, something usually only a slave would do. He's shown this grace, serve them. He says, a new command I give to you. I want you to what? Love one another. Now that's the word agape. Now here's what I want you to catch. On the eve of his crucifixion, where Jesus is turning the movement over, he gives them one command and one command only. And this is the new command that's to guide them. It's a command to agape one another. But notice how he goes on to define it. He says, love one another as I, what? Have loved you, agape again. So, so Jesus is defining this. He says, I, I want you to agape one another as I have agaped you. Right? So the way that I've washed your feet, the way that I've served you, the way that I've laid down my life, you've seen me the way I've loved you. And tomorrow I'm going to the cross, and you're going to understand how, how much I love you. I'm going to lay down my life at personal cost. He says, this is to be the North Star of the Ecclesia. This is to be the one command that's going to rule them all. This is going to be the one rule that rules them all. It's this command of agape. And then he goes on and he says, notice he says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, my followers, my students, if you love one another. He says, this will be the mark of my movement. This is the ethos of the new community. This is the culture. This is when you step into the community of Jesus, when you step into the, the ecclesia of Jesus, this is what you should experience. You should experience a deep care. You should experience a deep concern. You should experience a deep compassion. You should, you, you should experience a deep commitment to your highest good. You should be in an alternate culture. It's different than any culture in the history of the world. When you step into the ecclesia of Jesus, this is the North Star that you enter under when you walk into the ecclesia of Jesus. It's this North Star of agape that's over this whole movement. Does this make sense? Okay, so let's, let's spend some time defining it then. So I want to break it down and kind of say, well, so if we had to define agape, what would it look like? And there in your note sheet, I put a definition, and it goes like this. To love someone in this biblical sense we're talking about of agape, to love someone is to seek their highest good. And so, so love can be tough, can it? Love isn't always squishy. Like when you, when you, when you have kids, there's time you need to discipline them, right? And you do that because you love them, hopefully. Um, that, that's why, so, so love isn't always squishy. It's not always warm and fuzzy. Sometimes love can be tough. 
But love is always seeking someone's highest good. And it's interesting. Among theologians, scholars, there'll sometimes be a disagreement. Uh, is love a feeling or is love an action? Right? And, and I like to put it like this. I think that love is more than a feeling. I, I think when, when the love of Jesus is being developed in our life, it results in an affection. It results in a compassion. You know, there's someone who say, well, it doesn't really matter. It's just, it's, just a, it's just a commitment to do the right thing. And I understand that because at its core, it is a commitment. We're going to see that in a minute. But honestly, in my life, I, I don't like it when someone says, hey, Mike, I love you in the Lord. You know, I hate you in me. Uh, but, you know, Jesus has commanded I love you. So in the name of Jesus, I choose to do that. I can't stand you personally. Um, so I, I think that when, when, when Jesus is transforming us, the, the end result is there's going to be an affection. There's going to be a compassion. But at the heart of love, it's more than a feeling. It's a commitment. It's a commitment to seek. I'm not going to use you. I'm not going to abuse you. I'm not going to manipulate you. In each and every situation, I'm going to seek your highest good. I'm going to put your needs and interests above my own. That's what Paul says in Philippians 2. Right? Think not just your own needs, but also the interests of others, the needs and interests above your, above your own. And so, so there in your note sheet, I've assembled over the years, this is just been an interest of mine, because you know, it's so hard, key, core to the gospel. It's so core to what it means to be a Christ follower. It's a God I love. That over the years, I've just kind of paid attention as I've done study over the years. Like, what would be, how would you define this? And I've, I put together here five of my, my favorite quotes from a wide range of scholars, philosophers, counselors, uh, professors on, on this word agape and what it means to love. And so there in your note sheet, you've, I'm just going to run through them real quickly. First one's from Dallas Willard. Of course, Dallas was, uh, uh, he just passed away this last year. He's now with the Lord. But Dallas, you know, professor of, of philosophy at USC until he passed away. Very respected guy, strong Christ follower. And here's what he says. What exactly is love? He says, we love something or someone when we promote its good for its own sake. It's seeking its highest good. Next one by Dan Allender, Tremper Longman III. Dan is a, a famous Christian psychologist. Tremper is a, a very uh, respected Old Testament Hebrew scholar. And so uh, here we go. Love is more than a feeling. That's what I was saying. It's a tenacious, I love this, it's a tenacious, courageous commitment. Great stuff. I look at the next one. Uh, Larry Crabb, famous Christian counselor. To love someone now means that we desire their highest good. Next one, uh, Dr. Henry Cloud and John Townsend. A lot of people, are all you're familiar with them, the Boundaries books and so on. Uh, two very, very well-known, respected Christian counselors. Love, as the Bible defines it, is a stance of working for the best of another person. And finally, my favorite, C.S. Lewis Love is not an affectionate feeling. He'd be more on that side of things. He says, but it's a steady wish for the loved person's ultimate good. All right? And so, so here's what I want you to catch. Uh, Jesus came to launch a community. Uh, the ethos, the culture, the fabric is to be agape love. What's that agape love looks like? It's this tenacious, courageous commitment to seek one another's highest good. Now, let me, let me catch this that we will not be perfect at this, right? This is not easy. We are all fallen people, aren't we? Right? So like here, like in our life groups, when we get together this fall, and you have 16 people in your life groups. What you're gonna have is 16 messed up people <laughs> in the same life group, right? Now, it's not exactly a recipe for success, is it? 
I, I know, I've got an idea. Let's take 16 messed up fallen people and we'll put them together. That'll be perfect. Right? It's like a marriage. Right? It's like a marriage. You're so in love. It's like, seriously, you're two screwed up people. Right? You're about to be together forever. Like, this is not going to be easy. This is where you're going to learn how to love one another. Right? Like, marriage is an awesome laboratory to learn how to love. Right? It's not easy. It's not easy. And so, so this whole co- community that Jesus calls us to, it's not going to be easy. It's not always going to be natural. If we're going to create this community, uh, we're going to have to go before God. We're going to have to have him change our hearts. Uh, we're going we're to have to learn how to grow in our patience. People are going to let us down. People are going to be, are, they're going to make commitments to you in this community. I'm talking here at Rocky Peak. We're going to make commitments and we're going to fail in our commitments. We're going to say things at times that are not true. We're going to have jealousy. That bad things are going to happen in the community. Are you with me here? This is a reality. The church of Jesus is going to, it shouldn't happen. It's not right when it happens. We never want to make excuses when it happens, but it is going to happen. And so if we're going to create this community, it means we're going to have to grow in grace. We're going to have to learn how to forgive. We're going to have to bear with one another. We're going to have to grow in our gentleness. We're going to have to lay down our lives. You see? I, I love the way that Erwin McManus puts it. He's a pastor here in L.A., uh, uh, Mosaic. But in his book, Unstoppable Force, I love this. He says, the Christian community is not a place without interpersonal crisis or challenge. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Okay. Uh, in some sense, I love this, we are all hypocrites in transition. I think that's like the new taglines for Rocky Peak, right? Like you walk into the door, welcome to Rocky Peak, hypocrites in transition. Isn't that great? It's great. Like, like we're all there, aren't we? Like we're all screwed up. Right? I'm screwed up. You're not. Like we're just getting better, right? Like we've come to Jesus not because we're perfect, because we're imperfect, Right? We, we've come to Jesus because we don't have our act together. We've come to Jesus because we don't have the power to get our act together. We've come to Jesus because through the power of his spirit, he can do in us what we cannot do in ourselves. And he can change us. And he can transform us. And create our love. And he can make us more gentle. He can make us more patient. He can create his compassion. He can create a, a love for lost people. Jesus can do what we cannot do. And so we come together as hypocrites in transition. Right? And so he goes on, we're all working it out. Sometimes we're fighting with God, sometimes we're working with God, and that's why biblical community, remember the call, this, where this call to community, we're talking, that's why biblical community is such an extraordinary gift. It's not about being perfect or loving people who are always easy to love. Catch this, it's about loving people through the love of God. And that's what it's about. This is a bit, it's about this agape love, it's about drawing close to Jesus in our own life, learning to die with him to our old life, to our old jealousy, our old fears, our old hypocrisy, our old pride, our old insensitivity, our own self-centeredness, our own arrogance. And it's learning to die with him to the old and then rising with him through the power of the spirit that the love, the agape of Jesus will be flowing to us and creating this community. Amen? That's what it's about. And so, so he goes on. It's not about being loved. And he says it's, it's about being loved even when you blow it. 
It's about being loved even when you don't deserve it. It's by being loved by others who know you all too well, even when you find it difficult to love yourself. Those who are searching for the love of God find it through the love of God's people. Isn't that good? It's good. It's just the church, I love this, the church is an oasis of liquid grace where forgiveness flows freely. Isn't that awesome? And that's the community that Jesus has called us to build here at Rocky Peak. This is his vision, to be an oasis of liquid grace for one another. This is the, when that day, when Jesus led his men to Caesarea Philippi, it was not just for them to realize for the first time who he was. It was an opportunity for him to cast his vision for why he came. And, and the reason he came is not just to save lost people. He did that. But, but he came to create this new community. It's a picture of what life would be, will be like when Jesus comes again and establishes his kingdom. The, the church is designed to be a preview of coming attractions. When people look at the church, they say, look how they love one another. It's so different than anything I've ever experienced before. See, Jesus said, it's, it's the badge. It's our certificate of authenticity. It's, he says, by this, all men will know you're my disciple. This is why Jesus came to launch this community. And men and women, this is why we're here. It's why we gather every week. It's why we meet in our homes. It's to live out this vision of Jesus for this new community. Now, the question is, next question there is, so, so what's it take? What's it going to take to create this this new community. And that's what we're going to be talking about the next couple of weeks in this series. But today, I just want to jump ahead a little bit and say one of the things that it takes is it takes powerful connection. In order to create the community of Jesus, we have to be connected relationally. And you see this in the early church. Uh, in the early church, when in Acts chapter 2, when the apostle Peter preaches his first message after the Holy Spirit comes, 3,000 people come to Christ. You remember what happened? They had this instant longing for community. The DNA of Jesus comes into them. They receive the Holy Spirit, and there's this instant longing for community. And so we're told in Acts chapter 2 that they met daily in the temple courts in these large group meetings, like a large group for the apostles' teaching, right? 3,000 people, uh, not counting kids, they're kind of meeting in the Solomon Court. In the large group, they're, three, they're meeting to, to worship, to pray. They're connecting daily. It's just, but they're also meeting in homes. They're sharing meals. They're breaking down that big church into small church. They're meeting in homes. And this has been the, the, uh, the blueprint for Rocky Peak. That we, wanna, we, wanna, we meet here on the weekends in large group for, for worship, for the word, for connection with people we already know. Maybe for meeting a couple people around you that, that are brand new. Right? It's an important point of connection and growth with God and with one another. And then we've said, but we want to break down this big church into small churches and these 115 life groups where we can really get to know one another, go deeper in our relationship, truly practice agape love, come alongside, encourage, strengthen, challenge, speak into each other's life, uh, help each other during the hard times, live out the vision of Jesus. And so we have the large group time for connection, we have the small group time for connection, but for many years, we have said, wouldn't it be cool if there was a way that we could take this connection that we experience on the weekend services with a few people we already know, our friends, right? 
uh, this connection that we know with a small group of people in our life group or the two or three life groups we've been in, wouldn't, there be, wouldn't it be awesome if there was a way we could take that connection and, and pour it out out in the church at large, you know, so that we knew more people, right? We, we were connecting with more people. So, so that, like, for example, when we're going through a crisis, we could share it not only with our small group, which is awesome, but, but it would be, wouldn't it be a way if there was a way we could just tell the whole church what I'm going through right now? We just need some extra prayer, right? We thought, wouldn't it be awesome if when God puts a ministry in my heart, let's say that there's an 82-year-old lady down the street, and she's a widow, and my wife and I have built relationship with her, and she doesn't know Jesus yet, and we're praying for her, and she's got to move to a new place, and she doesn't have any family, she doesn't have any friends, and, and so I, I want to help her move, but I got a bad back, and everyone in my life group has a bad back, and so wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be cool if, if we could just get some people together? For, I'm sure there's people at Rocky Peak who would love to, to help with this, and love this, help this lady, and show the love of Jesus in a practical way, and be the hands. I know that I know there's tons of people where they'd love to know, but I, there's no way to tell you. There's no way to even to, to communicate that. And there's no way to say, has anyone got a pickup truck? Does anyone can do it? We're gonna do it this time, it's gonna take four hours. Could you be there? I need seven people. Wouldn't it be awesome if there was a way to do that? And we said, well, wouldn't it be awesome if there if there was a way to share our resources like the early church? Like, wouldn't it be awesome? Like, like let's say that you're a young married couple and you've had a couple of kids now and, and you're done, right? It's too too many. After that second one was born, you hightailed it to the doctor. There aren't going to be any more kids now. Uh, and so uh, you're, you're, you're done with that. But you've got all this, this great baby equipment, right? You've got the four-wheel drive stroller. You've got the, you know, the, the, you know, the padded cell bumper uh, you know, thing with uh, you know, the baby. You know, kid, you know how kids are these days, very, very protective of our kids. You know, you've got helmets in 18 sizes. And, uh, you know, so you've got all the equipment. And you would, you would love to give, like, man, I would love to give this to a young couple at Rocky Peak, we're just starting off, barely have two dimes to put together, and they're just struggling, and they just found out they're pregnant, and I would love to give, just give this stuff to them. I, I don't need any more. Or some of you guys, you know, some of you guys have a chainsaw, right? <laughs> but I'm telling you, this is the mark of manhood, right? It's like, like every real man wants a chainsaw. Like, you don't really need anything to cut with it. You just want a chainsaw. Like, right, like, I've resisted this. I've never gotten a chainsaw, but I always wanted it. Probably a Husqvarna. Probably Husqvarna chainsaw, because you used to make awesome motorcycles. That'd be great. It's like you could ride the thing. Just like, uh, like, right, so, 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 how many of you guys, you've got a chainsaw. You never used a chainsaw because you didn't really need a chainsaw. You just bought a chainsaw to prove you're a man, right? And there's, but there's some, other, there's some other man over here that he's kind of very artistic and he doesn't need to prove he's a man, but he, needs, he really needs a chainsaw. Right? You know, you know. And wouldn't it be awesome if there was a way just to share our resources so we didn't have to buy stuff all the time in the body of Christ? We could use our money better. We could steward our money better and we could share stuff with, with one. Wouldn't that be awesome? Right? And we thought, hey, and, and what if, wouldn't it be awesome if when someone loses their job at Rocky Peak, wouldn't, there be a, wouldn't it be cool if there was a way to let the church know, I'm out of work because maybe you're hiring or your company's hiring and we can network one. Or you'd say, I, I, I own my own business or I work for a company and we're hiring. I would love to have people from Rocky. I would love to know, but I just don't know. Now, in a life group, you know. In a life group, if you have a baby and, and you're done with your stuff, you know if there's someone else who needs it. If you're out of work, we all know that and we all try to network. But it, wouldn't it be cool if there's a way we could take this community and build it out? Yes. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yes. 
Well, this weekend, we are launching a new ministry initiative at Rocky Peak. And, uh, and what it is, it is a new uh, online social community just for Rocky Peak, right? right just for Rocky Peak. So, so, catch it. So, this is not Facebook, right? Because Facebook is for all your friends since you were one year old, you know, living all over the country. Believers, non-believers, haters, lovers, someone who met at a party you wanted to be your friend, you couldn't tell them no. Uh, yeah, like, right, so you're not gonna share this prayer request with the, all of Facebook. It's way too intimate, right? It's way too personal. You're not gonna say, I've got a chainsaw loan out because you're afraid these people might show up in LA Times front page news. And so, uh, right, but, but, but we're creating an online community that's right here just for Rocky Peak, only for those who call Rocky Peak home. And it's specifically designed for us as a church to, to, to share prayer requests, to share resources, to share job opportunities, to do classifieds, to share ministry opportunities, what God is putting in your heart. And I'm so excited to share it with you today. And we're going to go to the screen. It's called The Table Project. We have just a brief video that's going to show you what, just an intro to what that's about. The call to extend church community online has as much to do with where we've been as it does with where we're going. In Jesus' time, church happened around a table where anyone from Jesus' disciples to tax collectors shared a meal, a drink, and conversation. It was intimate and it was daily church was family. In that small community, getting to know each other was a certainty, sharing resources was imperative, and prayer was transparent and fluid. It wasn't until 200 AD that the first Christian church was built out of the need to assemble larger groups and provide facilities for the community. As communities grew, homes became bigger, roads and advanced transportation allowed us to live further apart, the printing press elevated individualism, and broadcasting emphasized entertainment above relationships. Often, it's within those realities that our families, our neighborhoods, and even our churches can feel disconnected, non-relational, and anonymous. All churches want to connect people in authentic, transformational relationships, but it's not easy for people to fight their anonymity, break the ice, and discover who's there and what's going on. They may not notice the six-month-old pamphlets in the foyer or have time to talk to the info guy in back. Meanwhile, a static church website shows information about the church but doesn't display the heartbeat of church community. All the different people and activities and the stories that are unfolding in a church body every day. It's a long way to go from breaking ice to breaking bread. But we think we can help. Imagine the church feeling intimate. All those unknown faces in the hallway becoming recognizable. And knowing not just each other's faces and names, but each other's stories. Praying for each other more frequently, discussing God's word more openly, and sharing our resources more freely like the early church. What if church felt more like home? What would it look like for us to live church together? Okay, so technology is just a tool. It's not good or evil. In itself, it'll never deliver this dream. You can't install community. But we know one thing for certain. Research shows the more online interaction you have with the people you care about, the more you get together in person. 
That's what this is all about. The software getting out of the way and just making it easier for people to find, connect, and engage with one another. It's not about virtual church. It's about extending your real church into the places you already are. We are The Table Project, a nonprofit ministry building the table. The Table is a custom social platform aiming to encourage community within your local church, empower leaders, and move people beyond the pews and into authentic, life-changing relationships. The Table lets your church create its own private, intimate social network. It brings the people at your church together to pray, share their stories, and serve each other. And you can add other content from the web, including global social networks like Facebook and Twitter. But the key is, everything within the table is built uniquely for a local, physical community. So now, the people you meet face-to-face, serve with side-by-side, and share everyday life with, they're with you wherever you go. What makes the table different? Well, it's about group interaction, not self-expression. Sharing, not broadcasting. Openness, not limitations. Being personal, not anonymous. Intimate, not public. Physical, not virtual. Local, not global. And it's a gift, not a product. Join us. Find, engage, serve, pray. Live church together. The Table Project. I'm telling you, this is going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to launch this Tuesday. Uh, This Tuesday, what's going to happen is you're going to get uh, two emails from Rocky Peak. The first is going to be from me. I'm going to explain a little bit more about the table. I'm going to include in there a link to an eight-minute video called The Table Tour. I'd really encourage you to watch that because what it's going to do is it's going to actually walk you through the interface and how you do what you do on the table. And it's just, it's a very, very helpful introduction. Um, we'll also give you a link to some uh, freq- uh, FAQs, some frequently asked questions, just to how it works and so on. Because I'm sure some of you have some concerns about this or that, and, and we'll probably be able to answer all of those. Uh, and then later on in the day, uh, that you will receive a, uh, an email from Rocky Peak uh, from our database that if you're a regular here, you'll get this that basically says, uh, invites you to go to the table. And so you just click on the link. You can go, you can sign up uh, directly there. You can sign up here on Facebook, sign up through Facebook or whatever. Um, but, but you can get, and you'll be on the table and you can begin to explore. Now, here's what I would say. Uh, if you're a regular here, so we know that you're here. Our database knows you're here. In other words, uh, how do we know that? We know that through uh, serving. If you're in a serving ministry, we know that if you take essentials courses. We know that if you're in, signed up for a life group. We know that if you're uh, giving financially. There's a bunch of different ways we know you're here. But if we don't know that, then I want to encourage you today, be sure to fill out a card today and then write on the back table, and we'll make sure that you, you get on this thing. And so uh, it's going to be a great journey. Now, here's what I would ask. Uh, even if you say, well, you know, I'm not really like a social network person. I, I totally get that. And you may find this actually a little different because it's, so, uh, it's, it's, it's so personal and just internal to our church. But, um, but even if you say, I'm not sure I'll be using it that much, I would ask you just to do me a favor as your pastor. I would ask you to go ahead and sign up. And then when you go online, you can actually create a profile there. You can upload your picture. If you don't know how to do that, there's help there. It tells you how to do that. 
uh, upload your picture, and you can also, in the profile section, you can create some tags, just kind of one word or two word uh, things that say, this is who I am. And what that's really cool is it helps us to find one another. Like on my tags, I have things like, like leadership, uh, uh, motorcycles, uh, 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 cinnamon rolls. Uh, I've got, uh, and so what it allows me to do now, I can do a search, like if I did a search in there for anyone with motorcycles, I would find Anyone who's driving motorcycles. And so if I want to say, hey, do you ever want to go riding or I'd like to meet or I'm getting five guys, I click, you know, just send you a, a quick thing. And so if you fill out that profile, that'll help you connect with other people. And even if you don't even use it as a normal, uh, as a, as a normal thing, having your picture on there will be huge help to the rest of us. Because what it does is it, it just creates a church directory. You see? And so you've, we've all had that awkward experience of going up to someone and it's like, oh no, here they come. Right? Because you've asked their name three times and you don't know their name. And so you dip into the bookstore or the bathroom because like you don't want to, hey, hey, bud, you know. And so uh, this is an awesome tool just to get to know names and who's at Rocky Peak and that sort of thing. It's going to be incredible for our life groups because you will have your own life. Every life group will be on this. It'll be as a private network. So if you want to email your life group or give up updates of prayer requests in your life group or share your chainsaw with anyone in your life group. Maybe you don't trust the whole church, but your life group, you trust. Uh, that, that all that kind of stuff, that you can break it down. It's not just a church. It's going to be a life group thing. And so you'll see all of our life groups going up there uh, this next month. And so we're very excited about it. Uh, but I want to set this in context, right? This is just a tool. The context we're talking about today is that when Jesus came at that turning point event at Caesarea Philippi, and Peter realizes who he is, he says, Peter, that is so awesome. God showed you that, who I am. But he said, in the coming years, there's going to be hundreds and thousands of and millions of people who have that same experience, they realize who I am, and they're coming under my leadership, and we're going to create an ecclesia. And it's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be this alternate culture. It's gonna be a preview of coming attractions. It's gonna go on for all eternity. And so, and it's gonna be an ecclesia of agape. And so to make that happen, it's about connection, right? And that's where it starts. And so I hope you'll join me with that uh, on the table. Uh, you can check me out, see what I've got going up there. Uh, it's, it's really kind of fun. It, it even shows you uh, kind of who in Rocky Peak lives in your general area. It, it protects your address. It doesn't show your address, it'll, it'll be sure, but it actually even shows like who around you in your general area lives at Rocky. It's, it's a very cool thing that's going to connect us in amazing ways. And so I encourage you to get on there. And then the next two weeks, we'll continue this journey together as we talk about what does it take to create this ecclesia of Jesus. Does that sound good? All right, let's get, let's pray. And Father, we are so thankful for what you're doing here at Rocky Peak and that we all just get to be a part of this amazing community that you're creating, this creating uh, this community of agape, this ecclesia of agape. And so, Jesus, we pray that our church would be what you want it to be. We, we pray that, that your vision for Rocky Peak would come true. We pray that your love, your affection, your compassion, your courage, your, your sacrifice, that, that would become part of, of our kind of uh, culture here. It would be woven in. And so we pray in the next couple of weeks you continue to teach us. And God, as we bring you our offerings now, as we worship you with everything we have, uh, we pray that you'd meet us now in, in, a, in a holy moment. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand up as we worship? Let's pray together with everything. Lord, with everything we have that all that is within me bless his holy name.
The psalmist says, Lord, with all that is within me, bless his holy name. Lord, you have captured our hearts. You are the Christ. You are the king of creation. You are the son of the living God. You are the God-made man. You're the, you're the one who has come to live and to die and to rise again that we might have new life. You are the God who has given us of your Holy Spirit. You are the God who calls us into fellowship, and that fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. You have called us into that circle of the Trinity that we might experience that love, that agape love that's been you've shared with the Father, Son, and Spirit as the, as the one God throughout eternity. And God, we want to step into that circle of life, that circle of love. And God, we want this, we, we just want to pray that you'd pour out your agape love on our church. God, we want to pray that you'd raise our eyes higher. We pray you'd teach us to die deeper. We pray you'd help us to die to the old, that we might rise to the new. God, we are seeking after you, and we are the first to admit we are a church of hypocrites in transition. And we want to be transformed. We want the emphasis to be on transition, not the hypocrite part. And we want to be changed. We want to be transformed. And that is your promise, that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is God, the new is come. And so, God, we pray that you'd pour out your agape love on our church. We pray you'd hear the cry of our heart. We pray you'd see our helplessness. We pray you'd see our ineptitude. We pray you'd see our emptiness. And that you would come in the fullness of your spirit. You would fill us with your spirit. With your love and your grace and your power and your courage. And your vision. And your strong mind. And your self-discipline. And that we would love one another. We pray that we'd be a church that's known for its compassion. For its compare. Its, its deep care. For its concern. For the community. God, we pray that the church of Jesus will be alive and well here at Rocky Peak. We pray the ecclesia of Jesus would come to this place. We pray as we move into the fall, you would capture our hearts and our affections. You would cast a vision for us that's high, that's deep, that it's wide, it's broad. It's like the love of God. Your word says that the love of God is, Paul prays that we might know that it's height and it's depth, it's width, it's breath, that we might be filled up with the love of God, that we might be filled with the fullness of God. And that is the love that we're seeking. Your word says that the goal of this instruction is love that comes from a clear heart, a pure faith, a sound mind. Your word says that if we have the gifts and speak like with the tongues of angels, we give all we have to the poor, we sacrifice our bodies to be burned for your cause, but we do not have love, we are nothing. And so, God, we pray for a mighty outpouring of your agape love on our church. We pray that you would meet us here in these next two weeks and you would you'd raise our eyes in a new way to create a vision for our future as a church, that this would be a year of community. We pray, Lord, as we launch this new ministry, the table, that would be used as a tool not to create virtual community, but to create face-to-face -face community, a shortcut there to meet people that share the same passions, the same vision, to build those relationships, to meet needs, to share resources, to be the church of Jesus. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's so good to worship with you today, Rocky Peak. And we're entering into an exciting season. I want to encourage you again. If you're not in a life group, it's where the action is. 
go out, sign up. If there's not one there, give us your information. We can get you on a waiting list so we can begin to work at double speed to see whatever we can do to help create a space. Our vision is that everyone who wants a home will have one here at Rocky Peak. And so we're gonna be working on that. Give us your information. Until then, until next week, may the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. May the King, the Son of God, the head of the ecclesia be with you. May he be working his love in your heart in a deep and profound way, deeper than you've ever known or could imagine. May he be creating a deep love for himself and a love for others that transcends all that we could ever imagine as he pours for his Holy Spirit that deep love of God that's so desperately needed that we might be an oasis of grace in a dry and thirsty land. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. See you next week.